0: Hey guys, this is Joe, founder and host of StartupRate.io. As you guys may already know, I've run this podcast full time since January 2021. I'm very happy to announce that Anchor FM is my sponsor for this podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free and it's easy to use even for newbie are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on spotify apple podcasts and many more you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to StartupRad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Joe from StartupRate.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany, as well as the world's first internet radio station dedicated to startups and tech companies. Today, we are bringing you another interview in our series sponsored by Invest in Hessen. If you haven't already done so, make sure to hit the like and subscribe button and leave us a very nice comment. If you're listening to this or watching this somewhere where there are no show notes, make sure to look at www.startuprate.io.com forward slash blog, and there you'll find the show notes with all the links. Now that we have this out of the way, Marcus, welcome, how are you doing? Thanks, I'm fine, (laughs) and you? Great, thank you. We had a few technical difficulties with my tool, but now we found the recording button and everything's totally fine. It turned out I was just logging in with the wrong link. Now that we have a recording, we may tell the people that we are recording this um, interview because, um, as we said, it's sponsored by Invest in Hessen. And you guys are headquartered in Hessen with a company called Crossings spelled c-r-o-s-s-i-n-x and this company made just last month exit of more than of 100 million euros to another company that's why we're talking by the way congratulations massive success hopefully we have more of them and um let us get started on how you got started in the startup world? As always, I link down here in the show notes your uh, LinkedIn profile, and there people can see um, you haven't always been an entrepreneur, right? You you had a couple jobs before. Well, a couple, well at least
1: one <laughs> before. Yeah. Uh, so that that's true. Um, well, after my studies. Uh, of business administration um i started my professional career at lufthansa um which was that job you you're mentioning um specifically in in the area of uh, lufthansa air plus which is kind of the uh, credit card travel cost company within the lufthansa group uh and that's where it basically all all started um so um that was back in uh, well uh, 98 uh, when i finally started my first company uh, from from Lufthansa where i was involved in uh, well marketing sales uh, support and uh, at that time during well the internet hype uh, and starting of internet um, it was uh, there was a question about um, starting a, a web page first of all uh, for Lufthansa and i was kind of the first one to raise my hand to do the job. Um, and uh, well, after starting the, the web page, then it was about, well, what kind of business model would we really try to apply uh, for Lufthansa in the Internet? And um, that's where I started to think about different business models and came up with the idea of uh, creating a platform or a network, I should say, to exchange uh, invoice information or a document information?
0: Well, uh, for everybody who is not familiar with uh, Germany, we may add Lufthansa as the German flag carrier, the biggest airline here in Germany and one of the biggest ones in Europe. And Airplus, as you said, is their division. They actually issue very great business uh, business credit cards in my past job. I also had one of them and I loved it. Every time no other bit, uh, no other credit card worked, it did. It's just an amazing tool. And it's one of the very few things I'm missing right now. Um, and uh, j- just to make sure uh, I understood you right, you were one of the people who worked on the first website of Lufthansa. Yes, at least at the, of this division <laughs> and uh,
1: creating email addresses at the very beginning of everything, really.
0: <laughs> no oh you, you you started your job before they, everybody had an email for work right that's true okay um it enough bothering you <laughs> about your age and this time uh, but um th- then you've been talking about website digital creating a website how did it get you into your entrepreneurship life when did you make like the leap uh, in uh, the leap of faith and how did you do it? And what was kind of the reasoning behind it? Yeah, exactly. So, well, as I said, I started
1: the, to create a business model around e-invoices, invoice exchange, uh, because I've seen that, well, this is was obviously everything was still on paper. Um, and uh, it was obvious that, that there was a need to, to get that digitalized. Um, and uh, well, that was what I was looking for. Um, after creating the business model, I also talked to the University of Frankfurt, which was pretty advanced at that time uh, in the area of XML, document exchange that just came up at that time. Um, and, uh, well, when we wanted to uh, create the, the platform, the network, uh, Lufthansa decided, well, it's not our core business. Uh, please look for someone externally to finance the business model. And uh, that's actually what I did. Um, and, uh, well, at that time, it was quite easy to get a financing uh, at the very beginning. So after just uh, well, around, around about two months, uh, we finally found someone um, to, to finance the business and uh, to start the company called Seals at that time.
0: Uh, just, just one question, because um, invoicing with XML with digital invoicing, it's still around. There There are still some companies, or maybe much more than some companies, uh, many more, sorry, poor English, many more companies than just a few who are actually still making a business out of that. So that's a problem you've discovered in the late 90s, early 2000s, I assume. And the problem is still around and nobody has found a 100% 100% solution yet. So you've been on to something great. Uh, what happened then to the company Seals?
1: Well, it was, as I said, right at the very beginning of, of many things. And uh, obviously, we were the first ones across Europe to start such a business, um, even though there was not even uh, the legal framework to exchange electronic invoices so it was still the question whether are we talking about the original invoice or is it a copy or a how do how to deal with it and uh, also for the tax authority is a problem uh, how to deal with it and that only came up later. So again, we were very early with that business model and had some challenges uh, actually. So um, well, after uh, three years, uh, we, we had to to give up that business model. Um, it uh, we did win a couple of customers already but uh, need to uh, declare insolvency at that time uh, after which i sold the the remaining company uh, personally uh, and bought it sorry uh, of course uh, first and continued the business with those customers on my own uh, so we reduced the staff to four people, um, at that time. And before that we, we had like 30, 40 people working on that. Um, and the financing of that company was done through, well, selling chairs and tables actually. Um, and only a couple of months later, I got the opportunity to sell this company to uh, a Finnish company. Uh, which was in that business as well and was about to expand to, to Germany and Central Europe.
0: So l- let me get this straight. You got into insolvency with your first company. You bought it out personally. You financed it by selling chairs and tables. And a few months later, you then again sold it to a Finnish company. Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> where I, where I <laughs> continued the business for another five years. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, well, we we developed it, winning more customers, etc.
0: Yeah. Um, and then you went on to start another startup company. Well,
1: the the story continues like uh, that. That Finnish company uh, stopped their business, which was not only invoicing but much more than that, uh, completely in Central Europe. So uh, again, we were we had to decide whether to continue or not. Uh, and uh, we decided again to continue and develop from scratch a new solution and start a completely new business with four people, uh, which was then in 2007 um, when we started crossings.
0: Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. So basically, you stayed on to this company. Then uh, the new owner said, "Okay, we're going to shut this down." And then you started crossings. Exactly. Yeah. What 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 was the idea behind it? And did you take some of the people from your former company with you? Yes. Well, we took uh, four people with me, so we
1: started with five people. Um, especially the the technical colleagues that were able to develop the new platform, because as I said, we. Had to develop it from scratch again, um, and also were able to continue with some of the customers that uh, used the network uh, already earlier, um, and that was the the beginning of the crossing story. Um, and uh, after starting crossings, we had the opportunity again to take in a couple of investors, uh, but uh, at that time rather private investors, business angels, than, than really venture capital companies.
0: How hard was it back in 2007 to find business angels? Was it like you just have your personal network or was it like some startups tell me, uh I pitched to 60, 70, 100, 120 different investors and the last one finally invested? Was it like that? Yeah. Well, I was
1: lucky to have a, an interesting private network and, and did find kind of family and friends uh, investors at the very beginning, which made life uh, much easier. And, and also after the experience we had before, um, we clearly wanted to avoid venture capital investors at, at that point in time um, to be sure that uh, they have a long term interest in developing and building the company really. Um, and uh, that worked out with a couple of um, well yeah business angels and private investors
0: mm-hmm. would be, before we get into crossings and your exit um I would like also to mention that you've been the chairman of the European fintech Alliance uh, How did this happen and what did you learn there? <laughs>
1: Well, that came uh, a bit later in, in the process. I always try to, to engage in associations to promote these new ideas. Um, before the European Fintech Alliance, it was, um, uh, it was other associations like Verband Elektronische Rechnung, so German association really being dedicated to invoices, electronic invoices, and to make that popular. Uh, afterwards, it was European Association for Invoicing, uh, ESPA. Both of them are still around and I'm co-chairing those. Um, only later on, um, I started or, well, joined this initiative, European FinTech Alliance, uh, just a couple of years ago, when we also uh, started to be more active also in financing of invoices. Um, so being even closer to, to fintechs. Um, and uh, what? But I no longer have that position with the European
0: Fintech Alliance um, today. I was wondering, at what point did you guys actually consider yourself a fintech? Because I remember uh, the first fintech reviews I did was like something, uh, something around 2014. By the way, it's still around. Look on our channel on the 25th of December each year, and you'll uh, you'll see it. Um, when when did you actually realize, oh, oh, look, we, we are fintech. That's actually what we're doing. And do you still consider yourself a fintech? Yeah. Well, actually, we do. Um, I mean,
1: at the beginning, there were, of course, many definitions of what a fintech really is, whether it's only a startup company or also a mature company, um, whether they need to deal with financing, as such, but our definition also across the European FinTech Alliance, for example, was always it needs to deal with financial and technical processes, and uh, that's obviously what we do to exchange invoices, to initiate payments, uh, and we even got closer over time uh, to to payments and financing. Uh, so definitely, I would consider ourselves to be a FinTech company.
0: Now I do believe that's the point we talked about already. Fifteen minutes. Now it's the point to get into actually what Crossings does. Uh, ca- can you tell this a little bit in, in your own words? Yes, sure. I try. Um,
1: what we what we developed is really a, a network, uh, a cloud based network uh, to exchange invoices in the B two B space. Um, where we are primarily active in. Uh, We started with the business case that we help rather large companies to collect the invoices from their different suppliers, whether small or large, um, through our platform and network, converted it into a data format that can be um, processed by their ERP system so that they can automatically book the invoice without touching them or do any manual processing with the invoice. Uh, That's where we come from. And we added different services over time, uh, starting by even managing paper invoices and extracting the information from the paper. Um, Then added uh, a solution for well sending invoices to different parties, uh, and even adding uh, different types of documents like orders, dispatch advices, order confirmations, and so on to cover really the whole process of, uh, as we call it,
0: financial supply chain. We may add for our audience that actually um, that is very important because in big companies, uh, you're completely lost when you just mail uh, with your invoice number to their official mailing address, uh, maybe physical or digital, uh, mail an invoice. And there's not somebody walking around uh, on the hallways and yelling, who, who are the, this? Who is paying it? Basically, they just send it back. Sorry, guys, not paying it. Uh, send it to the right person. And that's actually one of the many things you're, you're helping them with is getting the invoice to the right person and making sure they can check it and all the information included because that's also, um, an important part how much did we produce where did we produce it it's it's also part of your supply chain business so that's that's my understanding yeah
1: exactly i mean and we also do the validation of the content of the invoice so it's not only um, converting it to a different data format to be processed in an erp system but we also check whether it's tax compliant, for example, whether it has all information tax authorities would expect on an invoice as one example. But we will also check whether it covers all requirements such a company has because it might ask for an order number on the invoice or a cost center or whatever it is. And and that is something we check on the invoice and in case it's not complete, We would also return it to a supplier and asking for additional information so it's much more than just uh, taking from a to b uh, but
0: really checking the content it would be very useful to the supplier as well as to to your client if you send it back and say okay look this information is missing um i've i've now experienced a few times when i was like getting myself all my data up in some systems that have been coded apparently in the early 2000s, late 90s. And basically you press the save button and it just says error. And you don't know where this come from or what's happening. So that, that was what I had in mind. You actually tell them, look here, there has to be cost center and you're not sending it back and say, Hey guys, this, this invoice has an error. Uh, be- be- best message would be, um, unspecific error. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it's a
1: bit more advanced indeed. Uh, so we really tell them what's missing and how they should send it
0: again. <laughs> that is actually pretty cool stuff. And, uh, you guys been, uh, sending around invoices, getting invoices, getting useful information back and forth. And, um, now how? Did it actually happen that you guys are selling your company? I mean, uh, did did you walk around and say, hey, guys, we're up for sale? Did you look for an investor or did somebody approach you? Hey, we are looking for a strategic toehold in Frankfurt. And that's why.
1: Yeah. Well, we were not actively looking, uh, to, to sell the company, actually. Um, we had own ideas and plans to, to expand because, uh, well, as I just told you, we started with rather large companies that were driving the market in the beginning. But meanwhile, and during the last couple of years, uh, it's more and more used also within the German Mittelstand, uh, mid-sized companies, even smaller companies using those solutions and, we developed those solutions uh, that can be used out of the box um, for for the midsize and, and small companies and became market leader in in the, let's say, German-speaking area. And um, pretty obvious that, well, you won't have hundreds of those networks across Europe. Uh, you could look at it like in, in the telecommunication industries where you will have like maybe five, six, seven, different providers across Europe. Uh, The same will happen over time in in that area. And that's why we uh, looked at an international expansion. Uh, We already started to acquire a company uh, on our own before that. Um, So we had our own little M&A strategy. Uh, So it kind of happened by mistake that uh, we came across a unified post. Um, but which was really interesting because there are so many synergies um between the companies um and additional services that each of us can can use from the other party that uh, it was a perfect fit to to move on jointly
0: mm-hmm. oh, I see and uh can you tell me how the first contact actually happened because? I think you uh, were not walking around in a building and said, hey, uh, that's a good match. Let's buy you. No, let's buy you. Uh, how, did, how did actually <laughs> first contact happen? Well,
1: um, as I told you, I'm I'm co-chairing the European Invoicing Association, eSPA, and, and know a couple of people. Uh, and they know me. Um, so uh, Unified Post, the first time they came to me is three years ago, actually uh and already started the discussion um but we we had no plans to to discuss that further um and then they went public uh, themselves only during september last year uh and after doing so they came back um with with well with another discussion next ideas and uh, also developed new solutions actually in the area of payment and supply chain finance Uh, which were a perfect fit to to what we currently do. And that's why we started the discussion um, when they came back now uh, during February, March.
0: Let's get a little bit back to you investors because I've seen one of your share owners is actually KFW, which is the German development bank and they are administrating a lot of public money for different projects from building a house to buying a new truck for a farmer to whatever. So how did it happen that you got them as investors? Yeah. Well, that was
1: pretty at the beginning um, of crossings, not the first investors, but um, they did run a program at that time where they doubled the investment of another private investor. Um, and, uh, we became aware of that program. And when we had, uh, well, a second round of financing, um, with another private investor, another business angel, actually, um, we did get in contact with Carve uh, using this specific program. Uh, and they were convinced about the business and, uh, agreed on, um, well,
0: funding it. But they didn't give you trouble in terms of the exit. <laughs> no, why should they? <laughs> I see. And also, when we talk about your shareholders, I see that approximately 4% are owned by your employees, which is pretty awesome because they get, uh, they get their share in the exit proceeds. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit how hard it is, how difficult it was to actually get this Mitarbeiter Beteiligungsprogramme, this, uh, this employee uh, shareholder program up and running?
1: Well, we started that at the very beginning, actually. Um, It was not that uh, popular at that time Um, yet. Nowadays, you have more possibilities to create such a program, Um, but uh, well, that way it was pretty easy. It was, uh, to be honest, limited to the other founders of, of the company. Uh, which were joining that, that program. Um,
0: but uh, it, it was started from the beginning. This podcast is sponsored by Invest in Hessen. Make sure to pay them a visit down here in the show notes. There's the link. And of course, we will be a little bit interested why you guys set up your shop in Frankfurt, in Hessen, and how your experiences have been so far. Well, besides the fact that I'm born in Frankfurt, uh,
1: and still enthusiastic about the city, <laughs> um, I think it has a lot of advantages, uh, anyway, uh, perfect infrastructure to, um, to run the business in the middle of Germany, uh, perfectly situated and, and to, to reach other cities, um, from north to south, uh, and with a good infrastructure. Um, that's, the main reason why we obviously stayed in, in Frankfurt. And uh, at the beginning, you also had good access to, to other startup companies, even though there were, of course, some challenges still to uh, to find the right contact person uh, for, for every single issue you might have.
0: We are already, already running uh, more than 25 minutes and there would still be a lot I would like to ask you, but actually I don't wanna uh I don't wanna extend this interview as long as I would love to, <laughs> unfortunately. Um but let let me ask you about your plan. What are you gonna do for the exit? You're gonna retire, you're gonna become a full time investor, a business angel, uh what what will you do? Uh, well,
1: first of all, I will continue uh, to have a role uh, within the the new group, Unified Post Group, um, be a member of the executive board of the of the group as well, and um, try to well facilitate the integration and uh, develop the business now as a joint offering. Uh, so that will be what it will be doing primarily, but uh, in parallel, of course, I will also. Try to help uh, other um, uh, founders uh, to start a business and act as a, as a business angel, started to have first contacts already, uh, specifically in the B2B space. I think that's where I can uh, help with some experience that I made the last, well, 20 years now.
0: I think that are uh, amazing closing words. Um, you made an exit. You're going to continue to mentor and invest in other B2B startups, which I think is a very important step in kind of developing Frankfurt as a startup hub. I do believe there are not enough people like this here yet. Hopefully, there will be a, a more in the next few years. Only thing left for me to say is thank you very much for being here. It was a pleasure to have you as an interview guest. And thanks to our sponsor, Invested Lesson. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you are a professional looking at the European startup scene, Germany is a place you cannot miss. Fortunately for you, there is startuprad.eu, the authority on German startups. This English-only podcast brings you fresh interviews each week. Most likely, you have never heard or read anything on these startups before in English, but you will in the future. Be ahead of the curve and subscribe to startuprad.io podcast or check for the startuprad.io internet radio station. Check your Alexa for the startuprad.io skill as well.